0: Hey, Running Nerds, it's Kyle Merber, and if you're listening to this podcast and there's a high likelihood that you love track and field, in that case, I encourage you to subscribe to the Lap Count newsletter. It's my newsletter, helping fans stay up to date with all the thrilling action and biggest stories in the world of track and field, delivered right to your inbox every Wednesday morning. It's free. It takes less than a minute to sign up at thelapcount.com, and I think you'll enjoy it. Here's this week's newsletter read by Chris Chavez. Before we get into it, this week's newsletter is brought to you by ON. Our mission at ON is to ignite the human spirit through movement. Inspired by athletes, powered by Swiss engineering, move with us and dream on. We all know it's harder to get out for a run in the cold, dark days of winter than other times of the year, but if you can escape the duvet and resist the comfort of the couch, it's always worth it. There's a bigger sense of satisfaction after a winter run than after a workout in kinder conditions it always just feels worth it and if you're training for a spring marathon or dedicated to a regular routine then investing in winter running will pay off big time when the days finally get longer shop on's winter running collection at on-running.com lap 144 to dm or not to dm she's going to go sub 15 parker falby running for home she does it a new collegiate record a big hug Boston University, still fast. The Boston University indoor track was resurfaced this offseason, and sources are reporting that less rubber and less paint was used to complete this job than might normally be used on a standard 200-meter track. That's the rumor I would have started if I didn't want to invalidate my own mile time. In reality, that magnificent regulation size oval is off to another glorious start this winter. And it may surprise you, but the track is technically 1.4 centimeters long. All time bonuses and contracts that were written three years ago are on high alert. Okay, so that's not true for the college kids. And this weekend was all about them. Why not train through Thanksgiving to fully indulge during Christmas? It's that time of the year where every coach is reassuring their kids that cross-country fitness converts to the track. Yet despite the barrage of new personal bests, there won't be a single workout run on a grass field over the next seven months, which really makes you think. Given the field's collective residual strength and only enough time for one hard session of quarters, the 3,000 meters and the 5,000 meters were the main events on display. And damn, for perspective, here's how fast the final qualifying times into NCAAs in 2023 were and how many athletes have already run faster just at this one meet. For the men, the final qualifying time for the 3K was 744. Four guys ran faster. For the 5K, 1329. 12 guys ran faster. On the women's side, the final qualifying time for the 3K was Eight women ran faster. For the 5K, 15.42, 15 women ran faster. Don't tell me that's not worth the price of the $100 of admission. On December 2nd, there were already 15 women who ran faster than the 16th athlete into last year's championship meet. The momentum of collegiate distance running continues on an absurd trajectory. There was pressure on Olivia Marquezich to set the tone for the evening, and coming off a third-place finish in Charlottesville, the NCAA steeplechase champion delivered, running 840.42, which is good for the second-fastest time in history. Then, Nico Young led the way in the men's race, crossing the finish line in 737.73, one second shy of breaking his teammate Drew Bosley's collegiate record. Although Parker Valby came on this podcast and claimed that she was only coming in to knock out her qualifier, she demolished that goal and instead broke the outright collegiate record of 501.70 set by Jenny Simpson, who was then Jenny Barringer, in 2009, cruising to a time of 1456.11. And Valby's national championship winning counterpart, Graham Blanks, zipped along to a 1303.78 NCAA record of his own, and in doing so, checked off the first box In qualifying for the Olympics by getting the standard. To fans of collegiate running and M. Night Shyamalan, Blanks and Valby vaguely resemble the fictional characters played by Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis in the 2000 comic book-inspired thriller Unbreakable. Blanks cranks out 100 miles per week at sub-six-minute pace, and Valby spends 45 days a week on an ARC trainer accumulating so much sweat that the janitorial staff has nightmares about her. Whose training would you rather have to do? Graham may be out in the cold more, but presumably he's chumming it up with friends while doing so. Although a single pair of trainers probably last Parker an entire year, her ear doctor has got to be worried about the long-term health implications of blasting so much David Guetta into her ears. I'll take the third option, which is, watching them seems much more fun than training like either. The closing of the window, CIM. <laughs> Here he comes, oh, he's looking back. Here it is, C.J. Albertson coming through right now your winner of the 40th running of the California International Marathon, CJ Alverson. There he is. What a run. Oh my gosh. If you're watching from home, give him a big cheer. What an incredible feat that was. How cool to witness this. It says, it just updated. Two hours, (laughs) 11 minutes and nine seconds. Normally, the winner of a race will garner the most attention, except when it's the final weekend of qualifying for the Olympic marathon trials. Although fans were understandably hyper-focused on those rounding the corner with the clock ticking down towards 218 and 237, can we please give a round of applause or at least take a moment of silence while reading this to acknowledge race winners CJ Albertson and Grace Kahura. The self-proclaimed best downhill runner in the world was built for a course like the California International Marathon, and it showed. CJ won the day by almost two minutes, crossing the finish line in 211.09. On his best day, CJ will be a contender in Orlando in February for the top three. Unfortunately, he'll have to run under 211.30 there to even be eligible as the net downhill finish of Sacramento's course is not an eligible course according to World Athletics. Although USATF accept times for the trials, these marks cannot be used for the reallocation of Olympic qualifying marks. But if there's someone who will run fearlessly regardless of what the conditions end up being, it would be CJ Albertson. He has spent ample time in a questionably safe apparatus at his home in Fresno to prepare for this moment. What I'm referencing there is our YouTube videos where he's got his own heat lamps in his bedroom in a self-made sauna that he uses after runs. Grace Kahura ran 229 to win by almost four and a half minutes over second place finisher Ali Kiefer. Welcome back to Ali. As a Kenyan athlete, she will not have to figure out what the reallocation of spots process will look like. So lucky for her. Now that December 5th has passed, there are unofficially 226 men and 173 women standing under the confetti yelling, I'm going to Disney World. The bar was raised significantly on the women's side, and as predicted, dropping the time by 8 minutes meant that there would no longer be 513 qualifiers. The men's field will shrink from 260 to 226, on account of the standard being just one minute faster. Two years ago, I set the over-under at 200 on both sides of the equation. Well, it averaged out to be pretty damn close. Although the change to the women's standard was more dramatic and perhaps a comparatively more challenging mark to hit, it's pretty amazing to consider the increase in depth over the past couple decades. Let's look at how many women broke 237 in each of the last six qualifying cycles. In 2004, it was 13. 2008, 16. 2012, 27. 2016, 34. 2020, 91. 91. And now in 2024, 158. Remember, not all qualifiers ran the full marathon to achieve the standard. And imagine how many more athletes likely shot for the moon and faded in the last few miles, only to land among the stars. Admittedly, then there's the fact that some of the previous qualifying women may have been capable of running faster, but ran safely and conservatively because it wasn't necessary to get into the trials. My hope and expectation is that the women's standard remains at 237 in 2028, and that the men's one is lowered another minute or two. It's a balance between ensuring the carrot being dangled out in front is attainable while continuing to raise the definition of excellence. To close out this section, apologies to anyone who feels personally upset by that last paragraph. Don't worry about emailing me to let me know, just pretend you copied and pasted the following into Gmail. Dear Kyle, I ran 2.18.01 and did not qualify for the Olympic trials. Are you suggesting that I'm not an excellent marathoner? That's better than you have ever run. Sincerely, I hate read your stupid newsletter every week. NXN, talent is a dominant trait. That Joe Joe Jordan with one final look, the smile emerges, the celebration begins. He is the Nike Cross Nationals champion. The best high schoolers in the country clashed at Nike Cross Nationals in Portland under conditions that could be best described as exactly what you would expect for Portland in early December. The course was covered in puddles so deep that you would not have known that pumps were used to rid the ground of rainwater. But the toughest feature on the course was knowing that rival British high schoolers would still point and jeer about how it's not, quote, proper cross country. And of course, to win in such harrowing conditions in a sport like cross-country, the advantage goes to the toughest kids from the toughest states. You know, like the kids working in Michigan's car factories, or the kids from Long Island who pretend that they interned at Merber Financial Planning Services when they were 16 because they occasionally visited their father at his office to eat lunch. But we're forgetting that there is nothing tougher than being born into a life with limited oxygen available to you, forcing your red blood cells to multiply. So it was a great day for Utah and Colorado as the Harriman boys and the Air Academy girls took the top team honors. The first time a team from either state has won a national championship, and each state had its respective individual winner as well. The boys champion, JoJo Jordan, was not on most casual 33-year-olds, namely my own radar, coming in. But with a name like that, I won't make such a mistake again. Besides, JoJo ran 8.46 for 3,200 meters as a junior, so maybe that's a meat problem. He'll be headed to Wake Forest next year. The girls' champion, Addie Ritzenhine, is just a sophomore from Niwot High School in Colorado, but she's a more familiar name to people who had posters of her dad on their bedroom wall growing up. While it's easy to draw parallels to Dathan, who won two Foot Locker National titles before making a few Olympic teams, let's not forget about mom, the former CU All-American, Kaylin Ritzenhine. Having your parents both be state record holders from Michigan while being raised at altitude yourself, that's just not fair. And yes, she was wearing on spikes. This cross race was sound. And Wasserman was actually on the outside of the course there, almost disaster. But presence of mind of one of the uh, spectators there, or coaches, that got her back into the shoot. What some twists and turns we saw there in the final close. But Katie Wasserman figures it out and is the cross champs champion. Izzo Sound Running's cross champs returned to Austin as one of the few World Cross Country stops that is not in Spain. The race took place on Thursday morning situated in the middle of the most fun week in run specialty, the running event. If you know me, then you know I love piggyback rides, and if the entire running industry is already going to be eating barbecue in one place, then you might as well insert yourself into the itinerary. At some point, it would be great if the USATF annual convention, which also took place last weekend, could collaborate on location. It benefits the sport when various stakeholders are in the same room, or at least in the same city. Last year's inaugural race received some constructive criticism regarding the uneven footing on the course and accordingly pivoted to Camp Mabry, which is a flat army base that I once frequented for threshold work. As much fun as it is to watch the professionals navigate rugged terrain, to get more buy-in from American-based runners whose money is made on the track, it's inevitable to play it safe. It's a bit different when a European club is paying a regular stipend or an appearance fee. Despite taking a wrong turn, NAZ Elites' Katie Wasserman won the women's 8K race in 26:49, and her teammate Adrian Wilshut ran 22-07 to defeat two former NCAA cross-country champions. The Olympic standard is set at 27 minutes for the men and 30-40 for the women, and the field size quota is set at 27. So it's surprising that no one is actively attempting to qualify via the weird backdoor cross-country world ranking thing. It was worth a try, but that needs to go because no one understands it. Or if they do, they prefer their odds at qualifying the good old-fashioned way. On the track. Valencia, Ciudad del Running. But the Valencia Marathon Trinidad Alfonso Champion for 2023 is Cisse Lema. What a run. What a run and a new course record. And we certainly didn't expect, expect that. When Kelvin Kiftum set the course record in his debut at the 2022 Valencia Marathon, he was two days after his 22nd birthday. The man who broke that mark to win in 2:01:48 on Saturday did so a few days before he turned 33, and it was his 25th career marathon. If at first you don't succeed, then at least run two marathons a year until you do so. Okay, that's a lie because Cisse Lema was certainly successful before this past weekend. His biggest career victory came at the 2021 London Marathon, and he has now run under 205 on six occasions. But no matter how much we try to emphasize that beating other fast people and consistently showing up on the podium, there's still so much sexiness in running a fast time. And with this performance, Lemma is now the fourth sexiest man ever. To do so, Lemma followed the trending race plan that we're seeing at most flat and fast marathons, which is to go out extremely hard and see who can hold on. Lemma split a 34-second personal best through the half as a large pack crossed in 60 minutes and 35 seconds, a split 13 seconds faster than Kelvin Kiptoom came through en route to his world record. How do 10 guys believe this to be a good idea? Well, to Lemma's credit, and despite the 24 other races suggesting otherwise, it occasionally works. There is little middle ground in terms of pacing at those speeds, and most choose to commit. And with the race organizers now offering $1 million to anyone who breaks the world record in 2024, this theme is surely going to continue. The depth of this race was extraordinary, with 28 men tipping under the 208-10 Olympic standard. Four of those athletes represent a country that did not already fill its three-man Olympic quota. And therefore, this has some major implications on the American front. Those results bumped Scott Fobble's ranking to outside the top 64, meaning that at the Olympic trials, the United States will not have three qualifying spots unlocked. There are some speculative interpretations of USATF's laid out qualifying procedure, but one thing is for certain. Unless someone runs 208.10 in the next seven weeks or a crazy fast half marathon, then the last team member won't be official until May. Hopefully, it will all work out when it's 45 degrees and some dude who got into the race by the skin of his teeth falls on the patriotic sword, and acts as a rabbit for the first 30K. There is no such thing as no woman's land at the Valencia Marathon, as all of the elite athletes begin with the masses. As if there wasn't already going to be some depth up front based solely on the quality of the elite field, this adds to it by ensuring that even in the event of a breakaway among the invited athletes, those left behind can duke it out with some very fast civilian men. And this year, the top 10 women all broke 223.30. But the downside is that the race is a bit more difficult to follow, especially in contrast to last month's New York City Marathon. There is no more effective strategy to rationalize not doing your own long run than plopping down on the couch for a couple of hours to watch others do theirs. The 2 a.m. start time was not ideal for viewing in America, but I made it to the TV without turning off Do Not Disturb on my phone, and I thoroughly enjoyed this experience. I did not realize until well after the race that 13 women broke national records. So allow me to propose a dumb solution to the fast times versus fair coverage issue at this event. The pro women should wear the standard brightly colored kits that all brands seem to trot out every Olympic cycle. And any man anticipating to run between the current women's world record and say two twenty five have to wear black and white clothing. Anyway, while it wasn't an Ethiopian national record for Worknish de Gefa, since that would have also been a world record, two fifteen fifty one is moving. The 2019 Boston Marathon champion and mother of two is definitively back, which puts her in the heart of the conversation for the Olympic team. So whose selection system is better? The US playing a confusing game of who's good enough to go or Ethiopia's version of which of these potential gold medalists do we leave home? I take the second one personally. Sliding into those Strava DMs. So Strava has just announced a new direct messaging feature within the Strava app, allowing you to exchange direct messages. Every Strava user has a suggestion of what additional capabilities or features should be integrated into the platform. When are we going to get SAP, Stroller Adjusted Pace? And if you're like me, you occasionally run splain to your friends who work there, how the app could be improved. And in what many are calling the biggest update since calculating the carbon savings of a bike commute, exercise enthusiasts can now send each other private messages. Coming on the heels of the trend and the subsequent backlash that Strava can be used as a new dating app, The ability to DM other users opens up a new frontier of possibility. Millions of athletes already voluntarily share biometric and location-based data at no cost, and now we can discreetly critique each other's workout routines. Just a reminder that if you aren't paying for the product, then you are the product, says the writer of the free newsletter who asked for your salary last month in a survey. It should be noted that there are privacy settings that should be utilized depending on your comfort levels. The default setting only allows messages between mutual followers but you can open things up to accept notes from anyone you follow, and of course, you can make it so that nobody messages you. However, you can still initiate messages to anyone accepting them from you. It seems Strava preemptively accounted for common ways DM sliders misbehave, so chances are, unless you're a real freak, you can't mess this up too badly. But still, let me help you understand what is and isn't a socially acceptable message to send via Strava. Asking a pro for training advice. Suppose a pro follows you back, either via clerical error, general kindness, or because you used to race them in high school. You may ask a simple training question, but please do not expect that every pro is going to respond with a three-page essay and an invitation to come train with them in Boulder under their guidance. Asking anyone for feet picks. There is an expectation that one would pay for this sort of thing, but I suppose it's okay to ask for shoe recommendations as long as you don't follow up by asking for feet picks. Saying good luck. This is a sweet gesture. People love being wished good luck. I'd much rather a Strava DM than a text 90 minutes before the race that reads, hey, good luck, where can I watch? And then following up for my account password. I don't mean for this to be creepy, but... Sorry, nice guys. The fact that you think there's a chance that whatever your next few words are might be creepy means that it is creepy. Route recommendations. When I'm traveling to a new place and don't know where to explore, I will often look at the top times on some local segments and find where the best runners in the area run. Asking for a suggestion of where to brunch after is an expert level move, but will likely require you following them and them reciprocating first. Unsolicited training advice. Hey, nice workout today, though I'd highly recommend cutting that rest down and slowing down your pace a bit because based on your heart rate data, it looked like you probably were a bit outside of the zone you said you were aiming for in your description. That's probably why you bombed a couple weeks ago in that race that was really important to you and that you're not over yet. Not okay. Requesting a bike ride that be labeled as a bike ride we need a fraud protection button suddenly all the glory of your best temper run ever is immediately erased by the dude with an e-bike who's telling the world that he just ran nine miles at 320 pace in this case it's best to apologize often and then grovel a little and then close off with the signing which never seems to fail please dude can you please change your run to a ride i really need a win right now meme distribution this one's a case by case basis We've all got friends who aren't really on social media, but might make an exception for Strava for some reason. Sure, you already text them, but there's a dumber, more lizard brain level of communication out there that really isn't text worthy. The kind of stuff you'd mindly scroll over and share via Instagram DMs. Can Strava fill this void for you when communicating with an Instagram-less buddy? You can try, but be prepared to quickly find out if you're the reason that they aren't on other platforms to begin with. Here's what else you need to know from this past week. Stanford freshman Lex and Leo Young have signed NIL partnerships with ON, and at this point, I'm not sure if anyone on the farm is wearing team-issued shoes to practice. Athletics Kenya released the names of their watch list for the Olympic marathon team with one glaring omission. Where is Evans Chibet? Hopefully the bouncers at the college bars around Columbia University don't come after me for age cheating over a decade ago, but that's what happened to Lugalin Santos of the Dominican Republic, who was stripped of his 2012 World Junior title for a false passport, claiming that he was a year younger than he actually was. The great Kennedy Bekele is back, baby. The 41-year-old set a new master's record of 204-19 in Valencia. Shout out to former middle distance star Heather Kampf, who qualified for her fifth Olympic trials but first in the marathon as she ran 236 at CIM. I doubt that anyone else in the field has her kind of closing speed. The final stop of the on track night circuit was held in Melbourne with the Zatopec 10 also serving as the Australian 10,000 meter championships. Lauren Ryan won the women's title in 3254, and Jack Rayner. Took home the national title on the men's side in 2757. Ireland's Andrew Cosgrain actually won the race in 2756, and I think a good rule is that if you win another country's national meet, you should get automatic citizenship. Big thanks to Mitch Dyer from Straight At It for all the coverage and collaboration with Sidious Mac. Tim Man Elite has added two new women to their team as Savannah Shaw and Katie Camarena join the lads in Boulder. A big thank you to On for sponsoring this week's newsletter. At this point, you have probably tried the shoes and understand the hype, so trust me when I say that their gear is also next level. Get yourself some winter apparel and thank me later. This has been Chris Chavez reading Kyle Merber's The Lab Count newsletter. Sign up at thelabcount.com to get it in your inbox every Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m. We'll see you next week.